Hi, everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You are listening to another episode of It's All About Food. I've been doing this a long time, and every time I say it's all about food, the title of this podcast, I think, yes, <laughs> it's all about food. We talk about so many different subjects here, but food is like such a key issue when we talk about everything, health, environment, life and health of our planet, the treatment of animals, our children, politics, poverty, starvation, you know, everything is related to food. So today we're going to talk about food. And I have a wonderful person here with me, Zen Honeycutt, the founding executive director of the nonprofit Moms Across America, a national coalition of unstoppable moms with the motto, empowered moms, healthy kids. Moms Across America's leaders created over 1,000 community events in all 50 states to raise awareness about GMOs, toxins in the food supply, and other environmental issues that pose risk to the health of our families. The organization's mission is to educate and empower mothers and others with actions and solutions to create healthy communities. Zen Honeycutt and Moms Across America initiated the first glyphosate testing in America and successfully petitioned Costco to remove Roundup from their shelves. She is the author of Unstoppable, Transforming Sickness and Struggle into Triumph, Empowerment, and Celebration of Community, the director of a short film called Communities Rising, and the co-founder of the recently launched program called the Neighborhood Food Network, whose mission is to create a parallel food system, one street at a time. And we had her on the program a few years ago when she wrote the book, Unstoppable. So I just want to jump right in. We have some important things to talk about today. Zen, thank you for joining me again on It's All About Food. Thank you, Karen. And it is all about food. And we're going to talk about food today that the millions and millions of Americans are eating. And so I'm very honored to be on this podcast. It's a perfect time and place. When did you, when did Moms Across America get started? It was almost 12 years ago. Now I found when I told 2012 was when I found out about GMOs through Robin mm. O'Brien's top Ted talk, pa patriotism on a plate. And then Jeffrey Smith's movie, genetic roulette. And uh, within a couple of months, got my son to stop eating GMOs. Cause he had terrible allergies. Like it was like a vacuum cleaner had sucked on his mouth, you know, red line around his mouth and lips swollen and cracked and bleeding. And he, he said he wanted all of his allergies to go away. And I said, me too, buddy. But in my head, I was thinking that's never going to happen because the doctors had told me his allergies would only get worse and be even life-threatening, right? No allergies right. to us. So um, then I realized what I was saying that that was very disempowering in my head and thought, what if we could do something about it? And I asked him for partnership. He said, yes, he would do whatever it takes. He was nine years old. We shook hands. I made a deal. I said, great, then you're going to get better. I promise you. So we took steps because I made that promise. We took steps that we no normally would not have made. And we researched, we watched GMO OMG together. We watched, you know, a couple of movies together about the food supply. We went all organic. Well, actually not first all organic. First, it was non-GMO his allergies were reduced. And then a year later, when my second son had autism symptoms, we went all organic and my son's, my first son's allergies also went reduced. My second son's autism symptoms went away. Um, and 
you know, we saw that it was all about the food. It was the food that was impacting their allergies, their autism symptoms, their health, everything. And my son's allergies went from a 19 down to a 0.2. So he no longer has life-threatening allergies. My my son, second son's autism symptoms went away. And during that time, I started Moms Across America because I saw the connection between what has happened to the food. I want to be very clear about that. It's not just the food. It's what has happened to the food that has impacted our children and their gut microbiome and is wreaking havoc in health in America today. So we began, I started Moms Across America and got the word out and have heard now from thousands of moms that their children or their families are getting better too. So the two big points are your two sons. The allergies have been significantly reduced and I've heard that that can be done. I haven't personally experienced it myself. And the other is that your younger son's autism symptoms went away. Yes. I want to slow down here, have a moment have people absorb that because it goes very fast and you're like trying to catch information. But key point, the autism symptoms went away. Now that is not going to happen with every individual, but I I believe that when you get an autism diagnosis with for your child, the first thing is to look at what your child is consuming. Is that do you yes, agree? And I want to be clear, he wasn't diagnosed with autism. The doctor said autism autism symptoms. And, but he did have gut dysbiosis. He had 20 something different food intolerances and allergies. His gut was messed up. He had high levels of um, pathogenic gut bacteria in his gut. So he had, his gut was messed up primarily um, because of the food and the chemicals involved in the environment uh, could be also from vaccines. You know, there are toxins and vaccines. So there was a combination of things uh, that were going on with him and um, for me, it's all toxic burden, toxic load. And, but the food is one of the primary sources of that. And it's, it happens on a daily basis. So, uh, when we cleaned up his diet, addressed the gut microbiome, put in the good bacteria, the, the fermented foods, the probiotics, uh, cut out the sugar because sugar grows the pathogenic gut bacteria. Uh, he had to do that between Halloween and Christmas. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus bought no sugar candy, right? So, but he did it and he noticed how he felt better. And he has noticed since then he had got a job at a local bakery when he, you know, slipped and ate the cookies. He called, he started to call them the depression cookies. Mm. He noticed that his body experienced change and depression when he ate those cookies. And so he doesn't do that anymore. And, um, and, and I think that's one of the most important things we can do is to teach our children to feel for themselves how they feel when they eat certain foods to notice for themselves so that they can begin to make healthier choices. Absolutely. Empowering your children with information that some parents think their children are too young to handle, but children are smart and Mm -hmm. children really, when given the opportunity, can make the best decisions. Yeah. Even toddlers know how, even toddlers know how they feel after they eat something, they can start to notice their feelings, right? They can say, yeah, I don't want to eat anymore. They know when to stop eating. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. And your son's now there. It's been over a decade. So my eldest is 20. My middle is 18. The one that had the autism symptoms Mm -hmm. and my youngest is 15 and he's hardly had any problems at all. He just, he did have a peanut allergy, even though he never ate peanuts. 
So, um, but he has not experienced, you know, other things. And I think it's because I, my diet was really cleaned up when I was pregnant with him. Well, there are some things that you can't avoid as well, because we live in a filthy, toxic environment. It is. And we're going to, we're going to get into that with the test results I'm going to talk about today. So you have some exciting news for us. And I want to go into that in detail. I remember hearing, I don't know how many years ago it was, it was big in the news talking about glyphosate residue in children's food. Yes. And they were focusing, I think, on oats. But then that got me to learn about how glyphosate is not only affecting foods that are meant to be grown with Roundup Ready product that contains glyphosate and it's used as a weed killer, but it's also used as a desiccant on wheat. And this was horrifying news to me when I first discovered it. Wheat is in everything. Yes. And that means glyphosate residue is there and our children are eating. So you- It's not just wheat. It's not just wheat. And it's not just wheat. Yeah. Peas, beans, corns, legumes, oats, hops, barley. Um, And and what you felt that horrifying feeling that it's sprayed as a drying agent. It's not just sprayed on GMOs. I just want to explain to people when I learned about GMOs, first, we focused on labeling GMOs and getting them out of my children's diet because they're a foreign protein. And the body can resist that and cause inflammation. And, you know, there's been no human safety testing done on genetically modified organisms. So I was first concerned with that. But then once, once I created this Moms Across America March to label GMOs, we got into parades. I met with a scientist after the parades in um, New Hampshire. His name is Anthony Samsell. And he told me, Zen, it's not, glyphosate's not just sprayed on GMOs. 80% of GMOs are engineered to withstand glyphosate, right? So the entire corn crop or soy crop can be sprayed with, aerial sprayed with glyphosate and the weeds will die, but the crop won't, right? So very easy for the farmers to kill weeds. However, it's not just sprayed, as you just mentioned, as a weed killer, it's sprayed as a drying agent on harvest before harvest so that they can dry more quickly, like wheat and peas and beans and oats, as I just mentioned. And, um, and so I said, so wait a second, you mean all these crops are, can be sprayed, not necessarily are sprayed, but a lot of them can be sprayed, especially in Northern wetter, wetter regions, um, if they're not organic. And he said, yes, I said, so that means we have to go organic to avoid glyphosate. And, and it's being sprayed to the tune of 280 million pounds a year on our food supply alone, 20 million just in parks and playgrounds. So, um, he said, yes. And so I was like, I felt like I punched in the gut that now mm-hmm. I need to educate people or get the word out that we have to go hundred percent organic in order to avoid this toxic chemical that does not wash, dry, or cook off. It's sprayed as a drying agent, does not wash, dry, or cook off. I was so mad when I heard that because I was washing my vegetables and thinking that, you know, residues don't, I wasn't even thinking about residues on wheat, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so that was, that was horrifying news. And, um, that's when I started to ask, how can we find out, how can we do something about this? And I was told Zen, you can't do anything about this. These people make $40 billion a year. I don't know if it's million or billion dollars a year in profit, but a lot of money, you can't go up against them. And I said, well, we have to, because our kids are sick. 54% of our kids are sick. And so I bugged a farmer friend of mine to find a lab that would test for glyphosate. Cause I had asked six different labs, six different doctors, they're like, no, it's considered safe. And I was like, well, lead and mercury were considered safe at one time too. You know, they used <laughs> it in pipes and makeup and, you know, and so, um, 
I bugged and bugged and bugged. And about a year later, um, this farmer friend of mine said that he knew a man who owned a lab that used to work at Monsanto and started his own lab. He knew huh. the methodology that Monsanto used. So we, I initiated the first glyphosate testing in America and it was uh, people sent in 40 people sent in their children's urine or their own urine, wow. their water. And we got 10 women to send in breast milk. And what we found was horrific, you know, levels 3000 times higher than what has been shown to cause liver and kidney disease, high levels uh, in, you know, 70% of the water, uh, high levels in breast milk. And so that then sparked other people, other groups to test in food, as you were talking about, like snacks and cereals. Uh, we had a man send in 10 brands of wine. It was glyphosate was found in every single California wine tested, the, the 10 brands. We retested then in wine and beer and orange juice also found it present in almost everything tested. Other groups, the, Cal the Canadian Food Inspection Agency tested 7,800 samples it was positive. Glyphosate was positive in 60% of the samples tested. So yeah, we have a problem with glyphosate contamination in America, predominantly in conventional food, but it has been found in very low levels in organic food. But in general, it's, you know, thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of times higher in conventional food. So we, we have a serious problem with glyphosate contamination. Yeah, you just answered my question about organic food. And a lot of people will say, you know, what's the point in organic food? It's contaminated too, but it's significantly less. And also by buying organic, it makes a statement. Yes. And as the demand goes up for organic, and it is because I see the organic stuff disappearing from the shelves, at least in New York City, where we're kind of paying attention to this more so maybe than in some other areas. Um, organic is important and we need to demand it and change policy for it. Yes. So. Let's talk about your latest news. I understand that a week ago, October 17th, you were invited by Cory Booker to speak. Can you tell us about that and what you spoke about? Sure. Thank you. Yes, Cory Booker's office arranged for a congressional briefing in Washington, Washington D.C. in coordination with uh, Kelly Ryerson, who's on the Moms Across America board. She's known as Glyphosate Girl or otherwise has the website called Glyphosate Facts. So she's another, she's a, like my compadre in this mission where we just know all about what's going on with glyphosate. And so she organized this um, congressional briefing with Cory Booker's office. And we had Dr. Michelle Perro, a 41-year pediatrician, attend and explain the state of our children's health which was very impactful. She's also a glyphosate expert. Uh, myself, I explained the test results for the school lunch testing that we did last year, 43 samples, and the fast food testing that we did this year, 42 samples. And over 40 is a scientifically significant number that the USDA and EPA cannot ignore. So we, I explained those results. And then we had John Fagan, who is the head of the Health Research, in, Reach, Research Institute Lab, the lab that coordinated and conducted the majority of the testing that we did on the school lunches and the fast food. And we also had Mark Dudla, who is a sixth generation regenerative organic farmer from Wisconsin, mm -hmm. whose father tragically died from agrochemical exposure from cancer. And they switched, you know, in uh, on, on behalf of him, they switched to regenerative organic farming. And he has a wonderful, uh, you know, line of products, beans and flour and corn and all kinds of, um, you know, a diverse, uh, group of uh, crops on his, he has a couple thousand acres. 
And so, you know, he's farming regenerative organic successfully. And we presented on the panel, not only the problems with the state of our children's health and what's going on in the food, but also the solutions and what we could do about it. And so it was an excellent presentation. It can be found on Rumble and YouTube under Glyphosate Facts. Oh, great. I'll link that to this podcast. Great. So before we get into the findings of the two tests that you did on fast food and school food, what was the reaction to your information? I mean, so, I know Cory Booker is on your side, but yes. are there other people on the panel who are? Yes, there was a there was an aide from Senator Sheldon's office that expressed interest um, in, you know, in collaborating further and appreciative for the information. Uh, there were, you know, several other senators' aides that we we don't know where which office they were from. We, you know, there's no way to really get that information from people when they just, you know, come down and, and sit in the the audience. But the people came up and said that the information was shocking and stunning, but also beautifully presented with heart. And so I'm very proud of that. That we weren't just angry; we were there really from from coming from the love for our families and our country and our, you know, fellow citizens that we just want people to be healthy and we do have solutions and everybody, everybody deserves access to safe, non-toxic nutrient dense food, not just the people who can afford organic. And so we really are, you know, advocating for that. And, and they, they were very, uh, the one response was that they felt that the point was driven home very strongly that food is can be connected to violent behavior. And mm -hmm. I feel very strongly that, uh, and I'd love to talk about that more, how we could reduce the violent uh, deaths in America by simply providing access to safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food. Okay, we have a lot to talk about. Little time, lots of yeah. content. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the results briefly in the tests that you've done. So you said you did school food and then you did fast food. Yes. And we predominantly tested both of them for some of the same things. Fast food, we tested for a little bit more because we had a little bit more funding at times. So I'll, I'll give both around the same time. Now, the reason why we tested school lunch food, of course, is because we have a, a crisis in our family. I mean, our, in our country with children's health, 54% have chronic illnesses. But we tested fast food because in the process of testing school lunch food, we found out from the school food directors that when they go to conference and there's booths set up of booths set up so that they can choose the food that they're going to be supplying for the children that year, the booth vendors are fast food companies. <laughs> I was shocked to find that out. I, I just would not have ever had imagined that, that we would be feeding our children fast food in their school lunches. And so we then went on to test fast food to sort of get to the source to see the connections and, you know, just to amplify that because 30 million school lunches are served each day to our children, the predominantly GMO or, and or derived from wheat and soy and corn that's sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent. So we <sighs> tested, of course, for glyphosate, and then we tested the fast food um, because they're, you know, supplying that food. So what we found was that 95.3% um, of the school lunches were positive for glyphosate and or AMPA, which is the glyphosate breakdown. 95.3%. Yeah, compared to the grocery store food that was 60% positive for glyphosate. Mm -hmm. So our kids are getting the worst of the worst. However, the fast food samples were 100% positive for glyphosate. Lovely. So- Yes, 100% positive. And uh, the pesticides, the other harmful pesticides, you know, like atrazine and 2,4-D and Parkwat, like all these other harmful pesticides 
we tested for 236 of the top most widely used pesticides, which is not what the USDA and FDA do, by the way, when they test, they don't test for the most widely used ones. They test for other ones. So then they can <laughs> say, oh, we didn't find those in the, right? Right. So we tested for the most widely used. Um, wow. And we found between 27 and 29 of those different uh, pesticides in the food uh, and that, so that worked out to 74 and 76% of the samples tested were positive for up to 27 or 29 different harmful pesticides. And nobody's doing testing on the synergistic effects of having say nine different pesticides in one chicken sandwich, right? Nobody's doing that testing. Of course not. It's too complicated. And it, it, why would we want to do that? Because we know the results would be off the chart. Yeah. Yeah. So then we also found heavy metals in 100% of both sets of samples, heavy metals that cause neurological permanent lifetime damage. They can't do that. And some of the levels in the school lunches, some of the levels were up to 6,000. I believe it's 293% higher than what the EPA allows in drinking water. And in fast food, for instance, in the In-N-Out French fries, which we thought In-N-Out would be safer and you know a better choice or fast food. The In-N-Out French fries had cadmium levels 1,158% higher than what the EPA allows in drinking water. There was lead found in a Sonic cheeseburger that was 912% higher than what the EPA allows in drinking water. This is very serious. The, these, this consuming these heavy metals can cause lifelong neurological damage. The, the school food that you tested, was it from different locations? Yes, 18 different locations around the country. And this fast food was from 20 different locations around the country, um, all from different places. Uh, you know, I mean, the two, we got two samples of fast food, like a chicken sandwich and French fries or a, you know, a impossible burger from Burger King and a quarter pounder from Burger King. Interestingly enough, the two samples of impossible burger that we tested, one from Starbucks impossible, you know, breakfast sandwich and one from Burger King were both almost double the amount of glyphosate <laughs> than their counterparts. And we believe this is because of the soy, predominantly the soy that's in, um, in these impossible burgers. And, uh, you know, that's, 43 different foreign proteins in the Impossible Burger. Let's let's just note here that this is soy that is considered genetically modified and it's grown using Roundup Ready herbicide, which is loaded with glyphosate and other problematic chemicals. This is not organic soy. People yes. always like freak out. I can't eat soy. Yeah. This is GMO soy. That's yes, the problem. Very different. Yes. Organic soy grown in non-toxic ways can be very beneficial for people's health. It's, you know, the Japanese and Chinese have been eating it for thousands of years. Exactly. Been, they're just, you know, yes, let's make sure that we're clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that so the the pesticide levels were very high, the heavy metal levels were very high, the mineral levels, of course, were abysmally low. And minerals are essential for things like proper and vitamins are essential for brain function. They're essential for organ function. They're essential for how our entire body works or hormones are, you know, produced. So that, that was very surprising. And then also the veterinary drugs and hormones that we tested for 106 of them, there were um, four of them found in nine different samples in school lunches. And there were three of them found in fast food samples 
And uh, some of them were at level, there were very high levels in the school lunches. There were lower levels found in the fast food, but what was found was extremely concerning. We found two harmful antibiotics found in fast food. 60% of one of them was found in Monison was found in 60% of the samples, the top 10. Uh, Narison was found in 40% of the top 10 samples. And these are two antibiotics that are called ionopores, meaning that they can like go through cell barriers and things like that. And, um, and they're highly toxic to dogs and horses at very low levels, causing their hind legs to get paralyzed, to be dysfunctional. Mm. So I'm wondering what is that doing to the human population? You're hearing about neuropathy and restless leg syndrome and, you know, all kinds of problems, you know, you just, that just causes one to wonder. And, um, and, and they're just, they're very harmful to be consuming antibiotics on a, on a consistent basis. You know, you're, we're causing antibiotic resistance, which glyphosate does as well. It's an antibiotic. It causes antibiotic resistance. And then the other veterinary drug we found was called narcobazine. It's an antiparasitic for a chicken disease called cocositis, but it's also an aviary contraceptive. It cannot be fed to chicken egg laying chickens because it will prevent them from laying eggs. They give this drug to pigeons and to geese mm. in areas like around airports or, you know, ponds or wherever, where they don't want these birds populating uh, to prevent them from laying eggs. It's, it is an effective aviary contraceptive. And that was in a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And who knows what it's doing to humans? Who knows what it's doing to humans? I'm very- now I'm a proponent very, of decreasing our population, but not like this. It is, <laughs> it's very concerning. And people should, of course, have the choice, you know, and they should know. And these, the, the big loophole, the big problem is that the FDA decided a long time ago that these pesticides are not additives. That's a loophole. That they're not actually added to the food. It's a process that's done to the food. And so in that case, it doesn't have to be tested and labeled like salt. So we don't mm. know what's in our food. That is the biggest problem. So we also tested uh, fast food for vitamin Bs. And if I could get into that a little bit. Please. The, okay. The reason why we tested for vitamin B is because one of the first books I read, which I, I hope you have in your bookshelf, and if not, um, it's, it's necessary. It's called Food and Behavior, A Natural Connection by Barbara Reed Stitt. I recommend this to everybody that I talk to about food because she is a lifetime achievement award winner. She studied food for over 20 years and she did year long studies on uh, different prison systems and school systems. And what she found was that the parolees, serial killers and criminals in the school systems and the high school dropouts and the high schools with thousands of kids, the one thing they all had in common was not their socioeconomic background or their race or that they lived in an urban city like some people would would guess right which is which is what is proclaimed out in the world it was actually that the fact that they bragged that they lived on junk food and when they were tested they were low in vitamin b's especially vitamin b3 which is essential for the prefrontal cortex to uh, conduct good decision making and when she took the foods out of the prisons and the schools the processed foods the sugar foods the you know, foods with food dyes and chemicals. And we know now because it was in the late nineties, even though she didn't talk about it, it was GMO and glyphosate sprayed food, uh, you know, crops, food from those crops. And so she took those out and put in whole foods, healthy foods. And uh, within uh, that year, she found that in the prisons, the recidivism rate switched, meaning instead of 70% going out and coming back to prison within a year, 70% went out and stayed out and only 30% came back 
in the prison and in the high school of 5,000 kids, instead of 500 kids dropping out every year, 14 dropped out. And the, a significantly higher number of them went on to go to college and to be successful in life. And there's another study that showed in a prison that um, a double blind study where the prisoners were given, some were given placebos and some were given minerals and supplements. And the ones with the minerals and supplements had a 37% drop in aggressive behavior in, in a very quick way. So, um, you know, in addition to that, there's been an animal study out of Germany, out of the University of Strasbourg, that was done by a scientist called Tissier. And what she found was that the decline in the hamster population in this monocrop cornfield that where the farmer was concerned about the decline in this hamster population, because hamsters are a common food source. Um, and so for, you know, wildlife and all that. So he saw this decline in this hamster population and the scientist Tissier studied them and found that these very disturbing behavior, the mother hamsters were cannibalistic. They were eating their young on the first day of life. And when they tested them, they found that these mother hamsters were completely devoid of one vitamin. Guess which one? Vitamin B3. And when they administered the vitamin B3, the cannibalistic behavior completely stopped. Wow. So that right. begs the question, what if we could stop or decrease the violent behavior in America if our people were simply getting the proper nutrients that they needed? Do we really need more gun laws that criminals are not going to follow anyway? Or do we need to focus on providing access to safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food? You know, when we talk about history, as you just brilliantly did, and thank you for all those numbers. I know you've been talking about this passionately for a long time. I, rem I remember even before GMOs were a problem, even before glyphosate was a problem in the early uh, 20th century, we were we started to refine wheat and and a lot of people's health started to decline and the government realized it was because we were stripping the healthy nutritious wheat from everything that was good for us and so they decided they would add those b vitamins back thiamine and niacin back into what is now called enriched food so we strip it of what's good and then we throw back in a handful of vitamins which made a big difference a significant difference in people's health so there's plenty of things we know yes <laughs> there's plenty of Thank things you. we know and unfortunately we're not acting upon them why because we live in a capitalistic society and Companies want to make the most they can. So they do what they can to get away with what they can and make the biggest profits. And that's that's a sad story to tell. Now, I'm sure the people that listened to your presentation were very moved, as I have been just listening a few minutes to what you've been talking about. But then they go on, they have their lunch, they, they're, they have so many other things to deal with. We currently have a dysfunctional House of Representatives with no leader. Uh, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen there un until more people start screaming. So our representatives respond to loud voices and volumes of voices, right? And yes. that's what Moms Across America is all about. We need the grassroots people to get informed. Yes, absolutely. And yes, so we are... 
uh, advocating uh, for public awareness. So first of all, I think the front line is the, you know, the people who buy the food, which is 85% are mothers or, and, or, you know, women make 90% of household purchasing choices. So we do amplify the voices of the moms uh, for that reason. Also people trust moms. Um, but you know, a huge amount of our supporters are dads and, or, you know, human beings that just care about their health. And so we are gratefully, uh, you know, very grateful for them. Our, our mission is to educate and empower mothers and others with actions and solutions to create healthy communities. So we, we continue to do that and we do need policy change. Absolutely. We need policy change because these corporations will not do what they're supposed to do unless their profits are threatened by consumer purchasing choices. If we shift even 15% away, like 50, if, if fast food companies lose 15% of sales, they will change period. They will, they, they cannot afford to lose 15% of their, their profits. They will have to change. And that's what they attempted to do by having the impossible burger in their, you know, fast food choices. And some people have had more salads and, you know, things like that. But um, it's, it's clear from this testing that first of all, the impossible burger is not a healthier option of fast food. And, um, and that, you know, that their fast food is still, it's high in calories, high in fats, low in protein, high in toxins, low in minerals. You know, it's, it's not a good option. And so if 15% of the population, because of result of these test results, stop buying fast food, the fast food chains will have to make changes. And it, all it would take is one, let's just say Panera Bread, who had the highest levels of glyphosate and claims to have clean, wholesome foods. Let's just say we all told Panera Bread, we're not buying your products anymore because you have the highest levels of glyphosate. You need to go out and source suppliers who are not using glyphosate as a drying agent on their wheat. If one fast food chain do, did that, it could shift all of them to do that. These fast food chains could all say, we're not going to accept grains with glyphosate sprayed them on anymore. We could make that change even if the EPA doesn't do it, right? Even if the government doesn't get off their butts and see through the piles of money, you know, the see the light through the piles of money that they're getting from these corporations. Even if they don't do that, we, the people can cause that change by just not buying this toxic food anymore and demanding that they make changes. And if they do, whatever fast food company comes out and says, hey, we're not accepting grains, you know, that are sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent. Guess what? I probably would even buy that. Like I would want to support that, you know? I may not, but I'm just surprised that Panera bread is at the top of the list because I, I don't go to any of these places, but Panera and Subway, the highest levels of glyphosate. Well, okay. You get a feeling that these aren't as processed or as fast, you know, Panera gives mm -hmm. a, a feeling they have salads and it's healthy and it's fresh and they're the worst and, and Subway kind of similarly because they're making the sandwiches for you, but Subway has gotten a bad rap before about what they yeah. put in their bread. The other thing that was disturbing was that Pizza Hut pizza, the, the pepperoni and cheese pizza had no detectable levels of harmful pesticides. They did have glyphosate because of the, the wheat in the, you know, in the pizza. However, the, the, the Pizza Hut pizza that was vegetable topped had 21 parts per billion of, I believe it was six different kinds of harmful pesticides. So it's the vegetables, you said healthy salad. It's actually the vegetables that are introducing the pesticides into our bodies, the vegetables and the fruits, as we noticed from the school lunches, some of the highest levels were in the fruits. 
So it's the vegetables that are bringing in the harmful pesticides. And there's a study out of the Heartland Health Alliance, um, Research Alliance by Charles Benbrook that showed that if we just switched our fruits and vegetables from conventional to organic, we would eliminate 98% of harmful pesticides, except for glyphosate, glyphosate, because the glyphosate sprayed on the grains, right? The vegetables and the fruits. So that is what needs to happen. We need to number one, stop spraying glyphosate as a drying agent on our grains and legumes and peas and beans. And we, number two, we need to stop using poison with the growth of our vegetables and our fruits. So that's what needs to happen. And uh, we would be very, very happy and we'd be celebrating if, if people started moving that direction. And what that looks like is regenerative organic farming. That's the, that's the solution. Oh, the solutions are out there. There are people that are doing it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not like we have to go and, and do ton, years and years of studies to figure out what the problem is. We've created the problem. People are creating healthy, nutritious food that isn't loaded with biocides. Yes. Poisons. We like to soften them and call them pesticides and herbicides, but they are biocides. They are designed to kill. Kill life. Yes. Kill life. Right. Biocides. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This it this is very tough information to digest, but at the same time, we have to know that it's it's positive because we can all do something to make a difference and make this better. Now, parents need this information. Yes. Yeah, they do. And some parents are resistant to this information. For example, I, I do know that it's especially difficult if you have an autistic child because they're very picky eaters. A lot of children are picky eaters, but it seems to be a trait mm -hmm. of children with autism, not to want to change. Have have you had any experience with parents that have worked with autistic children changing their their food choices to get them in a better direction? Yes, absolutely. There's a lovely nutritionist called Kathleen D. Chiara, and she was in the movie Secret Ingredients. This mm -hmm. I was also in that movie, and she showed how uh, her son, with very noticeable uh, autism symptoms, switched to being a child that it's you wouldn't even know that he had autism. And it was completely a hundred, well, maybe not completely through the diet. I, I know there were other um, things that she sure. did, but um, what she says is that here's the thing. Not every child with autism is going to completely recover just by going organic, but she doesn't believe that a child with autism can recover at all, unless you go organic, you have to stop introducing the toxins into the child's body in order for the child to be able to recover. And for example, you wouldn't put a teaspoon of fuel on a campfire to make that fire go out and expect it to go out. You have to stop putting the fuel on the fire in order for the fire to go out. And what's happening in our child's bodies is essentially a fire. It's inflammation that's going on in their bodies. So um, what I would tell people is your child is picky because of the food that you are giving them. Mm. So if you stop giving them that food, that that food is actually feeding the pathogenic gut bacteria, like the E. coli and the salmonella and the C. diff, which is what was found in my son that had mm. autism symptoms. And that bacteria is telling the brain, I need more cheese. I need more wheat. I need more sugar in order to feed it. The bacteria is just doing its job. It's just telling your brain, mm. I need more of that. 
So, and then when they don't have it, they have withdrawal reactions, like hitting their head against the refrigerator or smacking themselves or screaming and freaking out. And so the parent thinks in order to make that stop and go away, they need to give that child the cheese and the wheat and the sugar, right? And the Skittles. And they do that and it temporarily feeds that bacteria and quells the, you know, the, 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 the fit, the erratic behavior, but then it comes back up again, because just like a drug, you need more of it and mm. more of it. So what needs to happen is hundred percent cold Turkey with, with putting in the offending foods and give your child alternatives, which may be similar, like organic chicken nuggets, gluten-free organic chicken nuggets, or, you know, dairy-free yogurt or dairy-free cheese or something like that. Um, but really whole foods are the best thing, like strawberries instead of strawberry ice cream, you know, um, um, you know, whole apples and maybe, you know, almond butter instead of, you know, some type of processed, you know, hostess apple fruitcake, do you know what I mean? Type of thing. So, um, the whole foods are where you're going to see progress with your child and your child will not starve himself. He hmm. will eventually, he may go on a hunger strike for a little while and he may kick and scream and he may throw things, but if you don't have the food in the house, he cannot eat it and he will eventually eat what you have. So I'm imagining that there is going to be a difficult transition period, yes. but if you go cold turkey, as you say, completely swap the bad for the good, not a transition, yes. that 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 difficult period will be shorter yes. and more effective. Yes. So it takes a little courage, but yeah. now the results people, are tremendous. Some people do transition, like for instance, with milk, like they mm -hmm. will take the whole milk and then add in a little bit of organic almond milk, and then slowly transition it so that the child doesn't notice, notice. as much. But keep in mind, you cannot make a judgment about the effectiveness of the, of switching to organic and, you know, not the non-offensive foods until you have done it a hundred percent for at least a couple of weeks. So don't say it's not working to go gluten-free. If you're still letting your kids have, you know, goldfish at the park, even once a week, because right. that child is still getting the wheat in their body, their body's still reacting, and it's not going to be effective unless you go 100%. And people don't like to hear this. No, but it's you hard. You really have to be 100% in order for your body to start to recover and heal. Now, that doesn't mean that a year from now, the child won't be able to eat goldfish at a, you know, at a, at a birthday party and not have a massive reaction. They They may be able to do that because you may have been able to give the child the, the, their body, their time to heal. And that's what we noticed with my son. When I asked him for his partnership, I said, would you like to someday be able to eat a piece of pizza at a birthday party? And he was like, yes, because he was not able to do that at the time. Um, because my cousin, Sarah had gone gluten-free for a year and a year later was able to eat a piece of wedding cake or a slice of pizza and did not have a massive reaction. So if you give your body time to heal, you could eventually eat those foods and not have massive reactions. But the interesting thing is my son chose to not have those foods anymore. <laughs> he would go to McDonald's with his Cub Scout group and not eat a darn thing. He chose to not eat that offensive foods anymore because he knew how his body felt. Wow. And he wanted to continue to feel good. So you may notice that too. You may cut out these oh. offensive foods and notice how good you start to sleep, how good your skin feels, how your, how your energy levels, how you feel the behavioral issues that calm down in your family and how everybody sleeps better and feels better. And you may be, you may most likely be like, I'm never going back.
the human body is incredibly resilient. It's amazing, actually, how much toxins, how much toxic food, how much poison we can put in our bodies and survive. Our bodies are designed to eliminate toxins. It's just when it gets overwhelmed and when it gets overly inflamed, then it just gives up and we have all kinds of different issues, not just autism, but there's the whole range of autoimmune diseases and chronic diseases. And the interesting thing is we can heal or recover or reduce the symptoms from most of these by doing the same things, yeah. eating organic, eliminating GMOs, eating more fruits and vegetables when they're organic and not yes. loaded with these horrific residues. Yes. And it happens very quickly. If I could give a, one more example, a story of a, about violent behavior and um, our children, we had um, a moms across America supporter called me on behalf of her friend who was in the room because of a language barrier. She, she spoke Spanish. She was in a low income neighborhood in Santa Ana. She was a single mom of four children. And she wanted her friend to tell me this story. She was very insistent about it because it was the day after another shooting. I believe it was the one in Florida mass, you know, school shooting. And it was, it was very tragic. And she said, I want you to know the story so that you can tell your, your network mm. um, because it's so important. She said that when her son was nine years old, he had mental health issues and she knew this and she told the school and they ignored her. And then one day they called her and said, you need to come pick up your child from school. He just threatened to blow up the school with a bomb. And she said, well, I told you he had mental health issues. I need help. And they said, okay. So they sent him to a psychiatrist. He got assessed and the psychiatrist said, here's the assessment, here's the SSRI or the antidepressant drug. And she said, that's it. What about the side effects? Like, isn't there something else I can do? Does he have to take this for the rest of his life? And he said, well, it's either this or you consider what you're feeding him. This is a very smart psychiatrist. Ah. <laughs> and, and, she's, and she said, what do you mean? She said, he said, well, have you considered what you're feeding your child? What, what are you feeding him? And she said, well, you know, hot dogs, tacos, pizza, burgers, you know, French fry, you know, like whatever I can get into him. He's a very picky eater. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, well, have you considered the toxins in the food, the pesticides, the dyes, the GMOs, the additives, the preservatives? And she said, no. And he said, well, you can either feed your child organic or you can uh, give them this SSRI. So she decided on a very tight budget to feed her child organic food. Within two weeks, the school called her and said, we don't know what you're doing but keep doing it. This is a completely new child. And she called me at that time because she said, I want you to know my child is now 17. And I know that he would have been one of those kids to go to Walmart and buy a gun and shoot up his school. If I hadn't found out about the toxins in the food supply and changed his food over to organic. That's a very difficult thing for a mother to admit and I was so moved. And I said, you know, you gave your son a new future. By did you finding... share this? Did you share this with the panel you spoke to yes, last I week? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I said, you gave your son a new future by finding out about the toxins in the food supply and by having the courage to go organic. And not only did you give your son a new future, you gave every child and all of their family members, thousands of people in that school, a new future because they were not traumatized by a school shooting. And I would assert and I said this to the panel that you gave our country a new future because who knows what that young man will invent 
or service he will provide or the, the lives that he will touch. He is now a healthy, responsible young man working on community gardens and <laughs> providing access to healthy food to his community. And think about all the children that, that need to have the ability to live up to their fullest potential in order for our country to be what it truly can be, right? To, to be great, to be a superpower, if you want to think of us in that way. Think about who invented Google or Facebook. It takes one or two people. I mean, well, even, team, e but, even if know. these people don't do amazing things, we don't want children being killed in schools. Absolutely. Thank you very much. But my point is the full living up to their fullest potential is also essential for our country. It's not just at, you know, at a family level we, we don't want children to be killed, of course. Um, so, so, but so that, that point, I just want people to understand it is time to have, to focus on access to safe, non-toxic nutrient dense food for not just our own personal health needs and the health crisis, which is costing us $4 trillion a year, but also for the future of our country and the safety of our country and the security of our country on a global platform. You know, it is, it's essential. It is. So I know you have to go and you have to share this information with many more different platforms. So just tell me where, where we need to go, what we need to do. And thank you. Yes. So you can go to momsacrossamerica.org. We also have another website called the, the Neighborhood Food Network. So it's neighborhoodfoodnetwork.com. If you want to learn how to grow more food locally and increase access to safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food in your local areas, you can do that. And on Moms Across America, we have a newsletter that we ask you to sign up for, and you will get an invitation to a Monday night Moms Connect call. Dads are invited too, or just people are invited as well. Um, but we call our Moms Connect call because moms from all across the nation come on and we invite you to that. And then also check us out on Rumble and, and Twitter, known, now known as X and Facebook and Instagram. And um, there's other ones, oh, Telegram, you know, please check us out on social media. We are being shadow banned. There's a lot of people that don't want you to know the information that we're providing. So please do share and comment and spread the news about this information um, so that we can support your health instead of the profits of the corporations. Well, I know you had a background in fashion and you probably enjoyed that a lot. Yes, this is <laughs> And now you've been focusing on moms across America. And I know there's a lot of parents and family that are very grateful for the work that you're doing and I am as well so thank you for that it probably wasn't the path you had ever imagined no but when you know as the, as a quote what I saw said uh, when a, wor a worried mom does better research than the FBI right so when a mom gets worried we will research we will share the information we will tell our networks especially when we find solutions. And we hope that you, the audience, will continue to do that with us, to share this podcast, share this information as much as you can, and have the courage to have the uncomfortable conversations with your loved ones about the food in a gentle way, in, in a unassuming, you know, compassionate way. And they will see the love that you have for them. They will receive this information if you give it in a way that is uh, compassionate and understanding um, and in a, you know, in a connected way. And we urge you to do that. Thank you for sharing this podcast, everyone. Thank you, Zen Honeycutt of Moms Across America, the author of Unstoppable. Thank you for joining me on It's All About Food.
We're really grateful to have you. I know you have to go, so I'm going to let you go. Thank Take you. care. Be well. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. That was Zen Honeycut, everybody. Please visit momsacrossamerica.com for a lot more information on the work that she's doing and how you can help. When we were just talking about violence in schools and how what a child eats can drastically affect their behavior, making some children very violent, I was thinking that this message of feeding children healthy food, non-GMO food, organic food without glyphosate residue, without toxic residues, this can be the solution to people killing each other, children going into schools and killing people, adults as well, because we know that violence in many cases is connected to the instability in the brain caused by toxins. So while we have different sides in this very polarized country, trying to decide whether we should regulate guns or make them a free-for-all, perhaps what we should be really talking about is feeding everyone better, feeding everyone a nutritious, whole-food, plant-based diet that does not have GMOs, that does not have glyphosate residues, that does not have other toxic residues, so that our minds can be clear, so that our bodies can be healthy, and our behavior can be rational and not violent. I really think this is an important issue and something we can all work on together. This isn't a red issue or a blue issue or a right issue or a left issue or a progressive issue or a conservative issue. Everyone wants to have access to healthy food, nourishing food. We want clean water to drink, clean air to breathe, and sufficient food supplying us with the nutrients we need. Now, some people may not realize that they want this, but I think we all do want to feel good. And the best way to feel good, or the best starting point, is with healthy, nutritious food. I was also fascinated to hear that the Impossible Burger, that highly processed, vegan, or plant-based alternative to an, an animal burger, has a very high level of these toxic residues. And that is indeed concerning. As you know, I have never been a fan of these highly processed meat alternatives. I don't mind some of them that are based on minimally processed soy or wheat, like seitan, for example, and tofu and tempeh. And when we marinate them and cook them in a certain way, they can have chewy meat-like textures with a lot of flavor. Or a bean burger, for example. These are healthy, nutritious foods. I've never been a fan of these alternative burgers, but the animal rights activist in me will say, if someone is going to choose an Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger or another plant burger over a meat burger, well, that's a win. That's a good thing. But if we know that these highly processed foods have more toxins than other foods, they are not going to be as appealing to anyone to consume. It's also very concerning to hear that conventional fruits and vegetables have high levels of these toxic residues because many plant-based nutritionists and plant-based doctors will say if you can't afford organic, it's still a better choice to eat 
a high plant diet with lots of fruits and vegetables. And I still agree that that's true. But when industrial grown, aka conventional, which is really nutty, are filled with all of these toxins, what is, what is a person to eat? We all need to buy organic. And if it's not affordable, then we need to do things to make it that way. Here in our family, we buy all organic. Now we go to a restaurant, we don't always eat organic. And I can tell you, I can feel the difference. It's subtle sometimes, but when the body knows that it's taking in toxins, it can, it can zap you of energy as the body's trying to clear out what you've brought in. And I think that when we're eating a really, really healthy organic plant diet, our bodies have a lot of vitality. So if we put something in that isn't good for us, the body's going to want to get it out fast. And I can feel that sometimes. So the bottom line here is we all need to choose organic foods, non-GMO, no biocides, no pesticides, no herbicides. And the more of us who do buy this way, it's a supply and demand concept. There will be more supply, prices will go down. And sometimes if there's a limited budget. Sometimes it might be best to choose or to prioritize food over something else. And that's healthy organic food. Because in the case of children, for example, that are being fed these highly subsidized, inexpensive fast foods, even with school lunches, and the impact is affecting their behavior in a really negative way, the cost to the family, to the community, to the society are huge. You might want to share this podcast, share this information with your friends, your family, your community, your religious groups, your school. We all need to be having this conversation. The food system absolutely has to change. Thank you for joining me for this podcast today. I'm Karen Hartglass. You've been listening to It's All About Food. Please send me comments and questions to info at realmeals.org. And remember, have a delicious week. 